What's up, podcast listeners? It's your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and this is Cut the Shit, Get Fit, and this is episode 265 with a very, very special guest, Jen McRae, and this episode is... uh, There's no words to describe it other than deep, emotional, and real. And you'll see why probably within 20 minutes in. And Jen is one of the members at my gym. And honestly, her story is a moving one. And she's such a strong person inside and out. And I just had to get her on my show and talk about some real shit. So without further ado, here's Jen. Yeah, like a, like my show is super laid back, and yeah. like sometimes I don't even do an intro. Sometimes it's just yeah. this is this is talk. So yeah. essentially, to get us started, maybe do a little intro of who you are, okay. what you do, and uh, yeah, let's go from there. Okay. Who okay. are you, Jen? Who are who am I? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I have so many names nowadays. Um, I'm like my legal name is Jennifer McRae. Um, people from high school know me as Jennifer Lee, but I never actually go by Jennifer. I usually go by Jen or Jenny. Um, but uh, nowadays, I'm known as a lemongrass queen and the not-so-average Jen or the authentic Jen, if you are within my circle of friends and family. Um, but I don't know. I just go by anything that has Jen in it. It's just, my name's constantly changing. I think I'm trying to find a name for myself, but I think I've been known as a lemongrass queen just recently and mostly just Jen. Awesome. Yeah. So what do you do? What do I do? Oh my gosh. What don't I yeah. not do? <laughs> so, um, I actually have a background in business. I have a business admin um, degree, specifically in entrepreneurial leadership. Um, when I graduated 10 years ago, uh, I decided not to pursue that just because I realized how much actually went into running a business. And I had to make a choice between having a family life or pretty much putting in a thousand percent plus into the business because that's just how I do stuff is when I'm into something I'm a thousand percent in or I'm just out and I'll never commit to something unless I know I can follow through with it so at that time actually when I graduated um, during my practicum I lost someone actually really close to me Um, she was my aunt and she was the only person that I actually considered as you know a mother to me other than my biological mom who I had a really difficult relationship with growing up Um, So she was the one person that I always turned to and when I found out that she was diagnosed with cancer and she had about two months to live and she only, you know, stuck around for a month and a half, that really put a lot of things in perspective for me. Um, And it made me realize that what was the point of doing that all when you had nothing to come home to? So at that point I was dating somebody and I was with him for seven or eight or nine years, I don't know, I kind of started losing count, but I kind of had to make the decision as to if I wanted to pursue this and have a family life or a career, and I've always been career-driven, you know, for as long as I could remember, but um, after losing my aunt, I realized that I wanted to come home to something, Um, so I decided to, you know, have a life um, with my husband now, Um, so we met like 16 years ago. And then we started a family. So for the next 10 years, I spent that time 
you know, working in a secure job at, um, well, I don't really want to say, but with the federal government. Um, so I've done lots of jobs in my life, but the one that I've kind of stuck with the longest for the last 16 years with was with the federal government, um, and that was a very cushiony, comfy job, you know, Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 2, 3 p.m., and I kind of made my hours as long as I stuck within 37 and a half hours a week, you know, had my pension, benefits, everything, but it just wasn't satisfying. So recently, after finding myself and feeding my soul, I actually broke free from what we called the golden handcuffs and um, decided to take a risk and just really live out life to the fullest and do what it is that made me happy. Um, And when I decided to put myself first, for the very first time in my life, in the 34 years I've been breathing, I decided to wake up one day and just start a business and just live it. Because, you know, I had the family, I had the kids, I have the husband, I have the house, I have everything I possibly could want that everyone would look at and say, how is she not happy with what she has? Like, I would just envy to have that. But I decided that I wanted more, and I've always wanted more. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I saw an opportunity, and I went for it. And now here I am with a company called the Lemongrass Queen, and we're about to do some amazing, amazing things. Awesome. So I'm really excited to, like, unravel that whole intro to kind of get some context to everything. But I kind of want to go back to how you kind of started at Aura Fitness and Yoga. Like, what got you into the gym? What made you see the value of going to the gym, seeing the community and everything like that, and kind of start us from there and kind of we'll see what happens. So Aura really came in my life at a time where I kind of needed it the most. Um, when I came to Aura, I was doing a lot better. Last year, you know, as I some people had read on my post yesterday about this, this is it's kind of ironic how this all kind of happened today because I know we've talked about doing this podcast for like months now and it just hasn't happened and suddenly it just happens now. And I realized like when I looked at the calendar, wow, like it was a year ago today that I was struggling. It was a year ago today that I pretty much gave up on my life. And, you know, I struggled with anxiety and depression my whole entire life, but I've never struggled it that bad. And um, after having kids over the last five years, um, I really struggled with postpartum depression, and I was really in denial about it because I was that person who always had to have everything put together, and I had to be perfect, and I always had to do everything perfectly and always satisfy and meet everyone else's needs but my own. And it wasn't until I really, really hit rock bottom um, when I decided that life wasn't worth living for anymore, when I could look my kids in the eyes and think, you know, they're so much better without me, when I would look at my husband and think, you know, he would be so much better off without me. That's when I kind of just was sick and tired of waking up every single day because for years I would wake up thinking, God, like, I'm still alive today great now I have to survive another day and I didn't want to live life that way it was just you know there are so many people out there who are fighting for their life and here I am wishing it away Um, but I just didn't know how to get out of that you know funk and I just kept trucking along for so long and always trying to look for something that spoke to me look for something to fill my plate up with and I you know a lot of my friends and family would say you know 
they've always known me to be the type of person who always filled my plate really full. And I guess that's because I was always looking for something to really be happy with, um, not in my life, but just within myself. And, you know, so I did a million different things. You know, I cut hair, I did nails, I baked cakes. Like, I did every kind of side business that you could possibly think of. Um, and anything that I could fill my day with every day, I would I would do it. I would jump on board and just do it. Whether it made me money or not, I would just do it. But after having kids, um, you know, not don't get me wrong or anything, I love my kids more than anything in the whole entire world, and I would never change that. Um, having kids really changed my life completely. And just like every mother would say out there, of course, it changes your life, right? Um, going through the pregnancy and whatnot, I didn't... Um, enjoy the pregnancy so much it was a hard hard struggle on me physically emotionally um and I think being the ambitious type of person I was who always filled my plate up so full I felt held back you know I felt like I couldn't accomplish accomplish things or do all the things that I was doing the million of things that I was doing to keep myself happy or so I thought to keep myself happy um, I felt really restricted, you know, when I was pregnant, as I got bigger, I felt restricted and I felt resentment and angry and the hormones and the rage and whatnot. And then, then I had my son and I mean, it was beautiful and I felt like I was on cloud nine. I thought that I could just like take on this world because I brought this beautiful being into this world and like I made that, you know, and then I started focusing on being the most perfect mom that I could be. I made everything from scratch. I could, you know, remember making every single thing that went in his mouth from scratch, whether it be the yogurt or puree. Like I would grow my own vegetables if I could, but I just, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a green thumb. But other than that, like I would literally try to be that perfect mom and do everything perfectly. And I think that was the beginning of the struggles of my postpartum because I had a lot of health issues. He had some health issues. There's a lot of new stresses. I wasn't really expecting um, to have Blake when I did. Um, it was kind of just like an accident that wasn't an accident. We were planning for it, but I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome in my early 20s. And I was told early in my 20s that I most likely wouldn't be able to have kids. And if I did want to have kids, I would have to try for at least six months to really understand how severe it is. Um, I had a lot of cysts in my ovaries. I had a lot of you know health issues with that. So um, it was hard, right? And when you know I was expecting not to be able to conceive that quick, to only conceive that quick within two weeks. And you know I remember going to an ultrasound, getting tested. For to see how many cysts I had in my ovaries and what kind of polycystic um, ovarian syndrome I had. I was actually pregnant. I was two, two weeks pregnant, and they didn't know. So I actually didn't have any symptoms of being pregnant at all for, like, at least four or five months. So I had no idea. So I was not prepared for that. So when I found out, I was completely in denial about it because I thought, like, you know, no, like, you know, when people tell me I'm pregnant or the doctor's saying, yeah, you're pregnant or the test is telling me I'm pregnant, I didn't believe any of it because I was in my head for so long, for years, that I'm not going to be able to conceive. And I was prepared for that. And then all of a sudden now it's like I'm pregnant. It's like, well, everyone else is a liar. That's not true. You're setting me up for failure. 
So when it actually did happen and I got pregnant and I had Blake, it was just like it hit me hard. It hit me really hard. And I struggled with um, so many health issues, um, Blake having jaundice and me having mastitis and then the mastitis turning into abscess. And it just went beyond like what it should have because um, it was underdiagnosed, I guess, and kind of just the doctors were like, oh, it's fine, just, you know. It turned out to be a full-blown abscess, um, and it was so painful. It was way worse than actually going through the labor itself. It was just two months of just excruciating pain every single day to the point where that was the beginning of my postpartum depression. Um, just because I was high risk for it, um, I did have postpartum um, and was high risk during my pregnancy as well. So it was just kind of a matter of time that it would you know, hit me and for me to actually realize that it was out of control. And even then, back then, um, I never really acknowledged it fully. Um, I just kept chuckling along and saying that, you know, it'll be fine or whatever like that. It's just a phase or whatever. I'm just surviving. I'm just trying to keep this kid alive and myself alive. But I started exercising and going for walks and whatnot. I was just sick and tired of it. And then I got out of it. So then when I was pregnant again with my daughter, um, I was just like, you know what, it's not going to happen again. I'm not going to have postpartum. It, you know, I beat it the first time. I did great, and life is good. And then I was really in denial about it. So looking back, I had postpartum the whole entire time during the pregnancy and after, and I probably suffered it even more severely than the first time. And I was so in denial about it that I did not allow myself to get the help that I needed. So I suffered alone for a very long time. Um, I suffered for months and I tried to find ways to find my own happiness, but it just made me realize that over time that that happiness never came. I was looking for, I guess, the happiness to come to me rather than going out and getting it myself. And I remember, you know, locking myself up in the laundry room every single night, crying and, you know, eating tons of chocolate and trying to numb myself and it was you know to the point where I just kept doing that for months and I started drinking to kind of cope with everything which is not like me at all because I never drink I'm actually allergic to alcohol but that numbness and just being able to go to bed and not have to overthink everything felt somewhat good compared to having to face the reality of what it is that I felt. Um, and then one day it just, you know, piled up and it just was too much and I couldn't handle it anymore. So that specific day in October of last year, I decided to end it all. And in the nick of time, my husband found me and my son found me and they were able to somehow snap me out of that. And it wasn't until I saw the look on my son's face and the horror and shock on his face and his cry and scream that I realized that I totally psychologically damaged this child and it kind of snapped me into reality and think like, oh my God, like what, what, what am I doing? And the funny part was somehow some sort of faith gave me a second chance because he actually didn't understand or see what was really going on and he had misunderstood it for something else. And that's when I realized that that very moment was my only chance to turn it around 
and make sure that I never go down that route again and that I owed it to him and my daughter and my husband and my family and my friends and everyone else to never go down that path again. And I made a vow that day and a promise to get help and not do, you know, not ever allow myself to get to that point and acknowledge what it is that I was facing with and stop suffering alone. So when I got the help I needed, um, and it took months and months and months of help, I had to take time off of work and my manager was so understanding and I remember feeling so ashamed and just so embarrassed about the whole thing. I just felt like, oh man, like just when I thought that I didn't want to live anymore, now it's even harder to live because now you have to face the truth and the reality of it. And now it wasn't just me. It was everybody knew, everyone in my family, all my friends. It was embarrassing for me. I felt like a complete failure. But it was because of everyone else's support and love that actually helped me get through that all and I started realizing that the only thing that I was missing was the fact that I was trying to keep it all together and keep it perfect because I was afraid of letting people in and letting people know what was really going on and allowing people to help me because I went through my whole entire life never letting anybody ever help me because I never trusted anybody enough to and I always thought that no one else could do it better than I can so I might as well do it myself. And when I got the help and realized that I started allowing others to become part of my life and actually know what's going on and actually allow for the help and not feel guilty about it, that's when I started living my life fully again. And that's when I was able to have room to breathe and realize that what was the most important thing was not taking care of everyone else first, but taking care of myself first. So when I started taking care of myself, once I read about the Aura 90 challenge, the funny thing is I actually watched one of my really good friends who is like an amazing mom and she's just killer. She has three kids, you know who she is. Brina has done an amazing job keeping it all together and you know, I watched her do the challenge last or the year before and win the, the challenge and you know, she had three kids and I'm like how do you look so freaking amazing right and it wasn't even about looking amazing she was just always positive um, and she should be the one complaining and you know bitching about whatever but she never does like she just goes on and does her thing and so I watched her and she's like you should join this gym and stuff and I looked into it and I'm like it's too expensive I can't do that I can't justify that and you know I always fall off the wagon and I'm not I'm not a fitness person uh, but then one of my really, really, really good friends that I've known for a very long time that I would just trust my kid's life with, Rivia joined the Aura 90 challenge. And I was like, okay, now I know, I, now I gotta know what this challenge is all about. So when I looked it up online, and that was the exact like day that the deadline ended, it was like, I remember it being January 21st or something like that. And I'm like, okay, like, it's, it's either do it or don't, right? Like, who cares about how much money it is? It's just like everything that was on that list when it came to feeding your soul, having that story, um, making that change, it wasn't all fixated on looking good and being fit. It was more fixated on the soul part, which was what I was missing. So, you know, everything else, I've kind of gotten the help to get myself out of the darkness. But what was really missing that my doctors kept telling me was that I needed to incorporate fitness in my life 
because honestly I you know finally allowed myself to get the help that I need and actually go on antidepressants and that was my biggest struggle was staying away from medication right but I finally allowed the doctors to make me realize that it was something that I needed in order to help me get out of you know whatever state I was in to be able to see the light again and actually help myself so by doing that I was able to actually pull myself out of bed and go to the gym but it's because that challenge spoke to me so much that it it, it was like it checked off every single thing on the list. And the biggest part, the one thing that I loved so much about that challenge wasn't just about feeding your soul, but it was also about the act of kindness. And that has always been something that's been so important to me, but something that I kind of forgot about and had on the back burner because I was just, I was dealing with so much that I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't give to other people anymore. I had nothing to give. So, you know, when I was happy in the past, I used to always give. I used to do a lot of volunteering and charitable work, things that really fueled my soul and made me feel good about myself and rewarded just being able to know that I made a difference in someone's life. So when I saw that challenge, I was just like, yes, 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 yes. I don't care how much it is. Put my MasterCard in get me on board. I called Aura right away. I said, I want in on this challenge. Is it too late? They said, no. So then the rest was history. I knew that if I signed up for something, I would go in full force at a thousand percent. And that's exactly what I did. And I nailed that challenge right down to the ground. And I just couldn't believe how much I got out of that because to be honest also I'm not gonna lie the Mexico trip was really appealing at that point even though I was doing better I was still struggling and the thought of being able to escape and go to Mexico with no kids no husband just me myself and I and just do yoga all day every day and meditate it's like who the hell wouldn't wouldn't want to you know do that challenge and win it it's like that was my justification to be able to go and not feel guilty because the biggest thing was always feeling guilty. Always feeling guilty about everything I did that was selfish for myself. And that's why I never did anything that was for myself because I didn't want to be selfish. But for the first time, when that challenge came up, I was just like, this is perfect. This is a way that I can justify to go and not feel guilty because I didn't have to spend any money to go and I earned it. So it started off that way as my motivation, but then it just, when I did that challenge, it just opened a whole new door to so much light in my life that I never even knew existed. And the family and the members here and the trainers was a whole other story. And that's part of the reason why I was able to stay on that fitness journey. It wasn't a cult. It was just the environment, and that's what I needed. I needed to surround myself by positive people, by people who inspired me, by people who pushed me to motivate myself and held me accountable. And that's um, the long version <laughs> of, of, of how I started that challenge and where it took me. And, you know, I didn't fall off that wagon. I'm still here, and I'm still killing it. And there is no reward other than, like, now it's just... It makes me feel good. It's part of my life, right? It's part of my everyday. So it's now a habit that 
if I haven't gone to the gym for a couple days, it actually really bothers me. It really bothers me. But the best part is when I come here, I always feel good because there's always someone there that I know and someone there that just inspires me or pushes me or holds me accountable. And it just, you know, I don't feel like it's a drag to get my butt to the gym. It's like I go in there like full force, like ready to like really, you know, take on the day. And then I feel great when I leave. So, yeah. That was a long answer, but it like yes, the most I'm amazing so thing. No, don't be sorry. Like <laughs> I talk a lot. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm working on. That's one of my weaknesses is I talk a lot, but that's because I have a lot of passion. Yeah. But I think like the, the thing that I've been thinking about recently is like trying to attach fitness to happiness. And I think you're a great example of that because when you saw the Aura 90 spoke to you. Yeah. And I think a lot of people when they're trying to start their fitness journey, they associate fitness as like yeah. a punishment. Yes. And not really a thing that you can enjoy. But if you can find some sort of fitness yes. that makes you happy, yes. then it's like sky's the limit. Absolutely. Because I cannot tell you how long it's taken me to get to this point where I go to the gym because I want to, not because I feel like I have to. My husband was a personal trainer. My husband's a kinesiologist. That's his field. He's an athlete. That's all he does all day is like he, 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 he loves working out. He wakes up at 4.30 in the morning just to get to the gym, even on Christmas Day. Like that's the only day he misses out because it's Christmas Day and it's closed. Otherwise, he would be working out as well. But the thing is like it feels him in a different way. He's always been an athlete. I've always been a musically inclined person, someone who's artsy. I hate working out. You know, I... I couldn't even, I could barely even run. Like, you know, I, I, my running was slower than my walking, but that's the thing is like, I real, I thought that fitness just wasn't for me and I always struggled. I used to make excuses like to go to the recs and I've had so many gym memberships and yoga, yoga passes and all of that. None of them ever spoke to me. It always felt like a chore. Like I was forcing myself to go or making excuses not to go or to go. Um, but I remember, like, even before I came to Aura, I had a membership at the rec center just saying, okay, I need the exercise to get the endorphins released so that I can actually be happy and whatnot. So the only way I justified and forced myself to go to the gym was because they had a TV on the bicycle machine, and I would use the easiest machine that would require the least amount of work because I was that lazy to just sit on the bike and then watch my like episode of Riverdale, you know? Like that was the only thing that actually motivated me to get to the gym, which is pathetic. It's like just knowing that I can't have time to watch TV at home because my kids will like want me to put them to sleep or bug me or whatever like that. I won't have that time alone. But if I get myself to the gym, my husband's gonna support that and say, Yeah, go to the gym, it's for you. But really I get to sit there and just watch an episode of Riverdale and just forget about all of the other shit that's going on, right? So did I get a good workout? there no no never I never did but you know it was just to get myself out of the house and and then somehow I justified it in my head that I was actually getting a good workout and then I was you know gonna get somewhere with my fitness level but it was just all lies you know it was just an excuse and all lies and it wasn't until now that I'm at aura and I actually want to work out that I'm actually getting the results that I want and more right and I actually come here all the time I actually make a huge effort to fit it into my week because my week is just jam-packed, but I always find the time to make it a priority. Yeah. So that's kind of like the next thing I want to get into is like your jump from your cushy job yeah. to starting your business and then that whole process of trying to juggle being a wife, a mother, and going to the gym. So let's start with that. <laughs> um, it 
I guess the word juggle is like bang on. Yeah. I juggle. Like if you saw my posts like yesterday, I was like having major anxiety. I have anxiety attacks. I'm on antidepressants that helps my anxiety, but I still have anxiety, which I'm working on weaning off because I'm at the state where, you know, I've been on it for almost a year and I've been good for a year. That was the goal. So it's definitely a juggle. It's still a juggle. Do I have it balanced? No. Do I have it somewhat balanced? Yes. It's just, you got to learn to let go of a lot of things. And I had to let go of a lot of things. And I still have to let go of a lot of things. But the most important part is letting go of the guilt first. That was the biggest thing that I had to do was let go of the guilt. The guilt spent, I spent so much time feeling guilty and letting the guilt eat me up that that's how I lived my life was just wasting my time on guilt right being guilty that i'm not a good enough wife i'm not a good enough mother i'm not a good enough daughter i'm not a good enough whatever i'm just not good enough and when i started realizing that i just can't do it all and that i was suffering the most and i just got to put myself first i just let that guilt go it wasn't easy but i didn't have a choice right if i wanted this and i made that commitment and I made that promise to myself and looked my son in the face and made that promise to him, I'm going to make sure that I follow through with that. And if that meant me having to let go of a lot of stuff, then I'm going to let go. And that was hard because I loved being in control. I love being in control of what I can control and I want to control everything that I can control. Um, But that's the thing is having to let go of that and realizing that you need help. You need to allow people to help and not feeling guilty about it, not feeling guilty about asking for it. I realize now that there were so many people in my life who love me so much that are willing to help. I just wasn't willing to let them help me because I didn't trust them or because I didn't think they'd do it good enough or because I think they wanted something out of it. But there are people, if you selectively choose the right people who are really there for you and actually love you and want you to do well, they will be there for you 100%. And that's when I surround myself with those people that are the quality people versus the quantity of people. I don't like being alone. I hate being lonely. Um, So I always surround myself by people. I always surround myself around everything. I'm a social person. But I started realizing I don't have enough time in my day to surround myself by so many people. And the extra time that I have should go spent, be spent towards spending time with my family, my kids. And, you know, this time is going to be so short with them when they really want me around. Next thing you know, they don't want me around because I'm annoying and embarrassing. But balance is letting people help you um, and knowing that you can't juggle it at all. So instead of doing everything myself now, I delegate. And also the biggest thing that I do is I ask myself, is this going to affect me 10 years from now? When I have to decide on whether I do this or that, I think about, okay, well, which one's going to affect me 10 years from now? Is that pile of laundry or the dirty dishes going to affect me 10 years from now? Or is the time that my son or daughter asks me, hey, mom, can you just play with me? Or can we go to the park or do this? Is that going to affect me and them 10 years from now? Yes, because if I keep saying no to them every single time, Eventually, when I'm 50, 60 and they're gone, I'm going to, you know, have nothing to do in my life and bug them all the time and say, hey, you want to hang out with me? And they're going to be like, no, right? I want them to have that relationship with me and um, I want them to have that connection with me at a young age so that, you know, they can grow um, 
to have that bond with me so that it's lifelong that you know when they are older they're still gonna want to hang out with their mom right or at least see me or visit me but that's the thing is you know deciding on what is most important dirty dishes laundry all of that stuff dirty floors is not gonna kill you 10 years from now you know my floors are filthy and I hate that because I used to be the type that would literally sweep the floor every two hours if I could because I just hate the crumbs on your feet. Now my floors are just so nasty that it's like my feet feel sticky some days, right? Because the kids always like spill things all over the place, but I'm okay with that, right? My house is not a show home um, and I'm okay with that too. And if I have people come over, it's usually the people who don't care they're in the same boat as me so they don't care what it looks like and they can see that I'm just human like them I don't want to keep everything perfect because when people come into my house when everything was perfect I feel like people hated me even more because it's just like you know god why do you have to be so perfect and it's like I'm not perfect but I try so hard to be perfect and then people don't like me and that's the one thing is stop pleasing everybody else just please yourself so if you come to my house and it's messy and you don't like it, there's a door. You can leave. But if you want to come out and hang and play, yeah, my house is a little bit dirty, whatever. But I'm spending the time hanging out with you. I could be standing there cleaning and stuff, but why? Why not do something that makes you happy, right? Why not do something that feels your soul and gives you that happiness and enjoyment in life? Because life is so short. I don't want to be spending it, like, wasting my time doing laundry all day and stuff like that. Yeah. For sure. Um, maybe for the last thing, because I know you like to talk, yeah. maybe chat about the company you started, why you started it, and because it's been quite a bit since when you started it. Like, I don't know, how long has it been since you first started this company? Three or four months. Yeah, and like <laughs> how it started and like where you're at now and what kind of like vision you have for the company down the road in a couple of years. Even if it just started three or four months ago, it's been in my wheelhouse for over about two years Um, so I just stumbled upon this company that had offered amazing Vietnamese food Um, I grew up in Surrey I mean I was born and raised in Alberta and came to Vancouver and lived there for a few years and then came to Surrey and there's like no Vietnamese food Um, because there's no Vietnamese people here there's nothing out here it's just like farmland back like 20 something years ago so to get pho or a bun mi or anything that's Vietnamese, you'd have to drive down to Vancouver every week. And it just wasn't worth it to drive down there, you know, for $5 sub. So I just ate whatever was here. But the day that someone introduced me to the Vietnamese subs that was offered in this factory that was just, like, super ghetto, um, I was just like, no, like, it couldn't be that good. But I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I, I'm desperate for a bun mi. I'll try it out. The first time I had it, I was just like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. This is like a real bun mi. What the hell, right? So next thing you know, I'm eating there every single day. Like, like making up for lost time of how many bun mi's I couldn't have <laughs> over the years. So I was legit in there every day, and I got to know the owners, and they were truly amazing people. They just loved what they were doing. They worked so hard. And, you know, I went back to work, and at the the work that I was at, there was, like, over 3,000 employees there and stuff, and it was so easy to just, it was down the street, and and just would tell people, like, it's $5 for a sub. Like, go get a sub from there. Why would you go and waste, like, $10, $15 somewhere else that wasn't even satisfying? Just try it. It's so good. And over the next year and a half or so everyone just it just you know it kept growing growing and everyone started getting to know this place and the food and then somehow I started catering 
at my work, you know? Like, I would just send out an email, like, who wants to bun me? And next thing you know, everyone's showing up by my desk, like, 20, 30 people, like, throwing $5 bills at me, and I'm, like, having to carry, you know, bags of bun me back. And I'm like, wait a minute, okay, so... This is not just good for Vietnamese people. There's other people out there that really like this food other than Vietnamese people. I think I'm onto something. And it just, you know, then I started, you know, telling them, like, you should try this, try that. And, you know, just the entrepreneur mindset of me just started kind of kicking in, like, and I couldn't help myself. And I just saw the way they were doing business. And it's like, you could really be getting your stuff out there if you just did a couple of things differently, right? It's all about branding and marketing and, you know, really getting out there. But they were spending so much time in the kitchen and doing the work that they couldn't see what was outside. And I was on the outside and I could see what was happening on the outside. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, hold on a second. If I somehow convince these people to partner with me and I do this, this could be big, you know, or even at least I could share the wealth because I already am sharing the wealth. Like I'm, I love to share with people like anything that I love. I like to share that, you know, it's just who I am. So I started sharing the food as if it was my own food, you know, people started coming in and then I started catering more and more and more. And everyone that work is like, you, you could start a catering company or you could do this and you can do that. You're so good at organizing this and that. And, you know, I was even making spreadsheets of order forms and all of that. And I didn't even work for them. I just did it because I loved it. Right. And I wanted to help them. Next thing you know, I just woke up one morning at 2 AM and I was just like, something was just feeling in my brain and like in my soul. And I'm just like, if I don't do this, it's going to eat me alive. And if I don't do this and somebody else does, I'm going to kick myself in the butt really hard. So I just decided, you know what, I'm I'm just like pacing around in and out. And I was just like, I have to find a way. I have to find a way to convince them and, and make them see that, that this could be big and that they need to do a couple things differently. So I called my cousin, who's a very successful business um, guy, who's the director of a huge company over in the U.S. Um, and I said, if he says I'm crazy in a bad way, I'm going to just leave it and I won't even ever look at it again. And when I called him, told him everything and my idea and vision, he was just like, you are definitely very crazy, but in a very good way. And you have the drive and the tenacity to go and do it. I say, just go for it. There's nothing for me to lose um, and so much for me to gain. And the last thing I wanted was to look back when I'm 60, almost retiring, thinking, why didn't I just do it? Right? Why did I let the fear of, you know, the financial burden at this moment scare me out of doing something that could potentially give me so much more in life? So, you know, it, it helps that my husband has a secure job and a stable income and I have family support and all of that. I wouldn't be able to do that without all of that. Um, but it's just, you know, I went for it. And so I started this company and I came into the business and, you know, I had gotten to know them over the years and pitching my ideas and stuff. But I went in there saying, give me 30 minutes of your time. Let's go to Starbucks. Let's sit down. I will give you my idea. Let's see if there's something that we can do here. Um, and for me, it was actually sharing the wealth of the legacy and the story behind the Vietnamese people, not so much the food, because food brings people together. Food is what comforts people, and I want to use good food, good Vietnamese authentic food, to bring people together to be able to tell a story, because the whole idea is to actually tell a bigger story and a big legacy that I want to continue on, because I don't want 
other generations, like the second Vietnamese generation, to forget what it is that our families has given up in order for us to be successful. And I don't want my kids and their generation to forget what it was that their grandparents had given up in order for them to have the life that they have now. I want to be grateful and I want to, I want to be able to make sure that I never take that for granted, what my parents have given up in order for me to be here. Um, if you talk to most Vietnamese people that were here, the majority of them, their families came here by boat during the Vietnam War. And it wasn't that long ago, but when you watch the movies and the documentaries, it seems like it was years and years and years ago, a hundred years ago, you know? And I watched the movies and they're in black and white and I think, oh yeah, like that's just like a long time ago. And my dad's like, my mom and dad are like, no, that's exactly how we came here. Like 30 years ago, that was us exactly like that. And I was just like, wow, like, how can I not dig into this? How can I not share this story? How can I not be humble and grateful to know what it is that I have? And the reason why I have the potential I have and all the things that I have in my life is all thanks to their sacrifices. So um, if people wanted to find out more about your company, where can they find it online? If they're local, mm -hmm. where can they find you and eat your delicious food and coffee that I've tried many times and it's like <laughs> the best thing ever? And anything else you want to plug on my show for the very last bit of this, go ahead. Okay, so um, I'm happy to say that I've finally done a soft launch for my products. All the new products, we've got the lemongrass, chicken breast, lemongrass, chicken wings, um, beef saute, New York strip loin, um, pre-fried cooked deep fried spring rolls that everybody loves, and pho in a bag, you name it. All the good Vietnamese stuff you can find in our store, in our manufacturing store here in Surrey on 13048 Old Yale Road. Um, the website is www.lemongrassqueen.com. We are also affiliated with our parent company, Viet Hung, um, which is the manufacturer that actually makes all the products here locally in Surrey. We make it fresh daily. Um, so you're getting like top-notch quality food. And these guys have been in the Vietnamese industry, um, making food for the Vietnamese community, dominating more than 90% of the Vietnamese restaurants for over 30 years. There's a bigger story that you guys don't know about that I'm going to be telling and sharing. There's a lot of things coming out the pipeline. I'll be going back to Vietnam, eating lots of street food, bringing lots of things back from Vietnam, and taking a lot of people back to Vietnam with me to just share that experience. Um, and we do have a bun me shop. We have two locations right now, one on Kingsway and Nanaimo. It's 2250 Kingsway. Um, that's like full-on bun me shop. Whatever you want is all there. The bun mis, the name fries, the spring rolls, the smoothies, the Vietnamese coffee, my frozen products, they're all going to be there at that store. Um, so check them out if you're in Vancouver. Otherwise, if you're in Surrey, our manufacturing company does have a little bun mi shop at the front um, with a limited menu. Um, you can get your bun mis and your frozen products and Vietnamese coffee there as well. Um, and we are um, in the process of opening up another bunmi shop in Olympic Village, um, right next to the gelato store down there, close by the craft brewery. Um, and there's going to be a lot of new stores popping up, hopefully in Surrey and Langley in the near future. And uh, my products actually will be hitting the stores. I have a collaboration with um, General Modern 
store down in South Surrey. She'll be carrying my products, uh, the coffee and the frozen products. I have a very special collaboration with Big Ridge Company, uh, Big Ridge Brewery, with Jason, who is the beer master, coming out with a very special, um, I guess, special brewed good stuff um, coming up in the winter we're working on it now and it's going to be phenomenal so there's going to be a lot of collabs coming up and i do have one more pipe in the pipeline that's going to be hitting a whole other different market that um, i can't share at this moment but it's going to be coming out soon awesome so thank you so much for your time this was amazing (laughs) all right so that's going to wrap up episode 265 with jen Hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I did and definitely check out her stuff online. And also a heads up, I will be releasing an official Cut to Shit Get Fit hoodie that people have been asking for. And I have the first edition coming out pretty soon. I have some samples uh, being sent to me and I'm going to rock a photo in a couple weeks here to show off the new gear so i will release that sometime at the end of october for purchase because you know winter is coming you got to stay warm and also support the show and show off the logo of cut to shit get fit and there's a special surprise in the new gear that you're just gonna have to wait for and Share this podcast with your friends and family. Reach out to me if you have any questions. Add me on Facebook with the link in the show notes. And just spread the word. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Until next time.